and you're listening to The Creative Kickback, a show about creative people from Richmond and beyond. This week's guest is Grammy Award-winning musician PJ Morton, who stopped through Richmond to perform at the Broadberry in November for his More Gumbo tour. You may know PJ as the keys player for Maroon 5. Yes, moves like Jagger Maroon 5, that one. Or you might know him from his collaboration with artists like India Ari, Stevie Wonder, or even Lil Wayne. If you're a churchgoer, you may also know that he's the son of famed Bishop Paul Morton. PJ Morton is kind of a heavy hitter is what I'm trying to say, right? Anyway, Creative Kickback sat down with PJ to talk about music, inspiration, New Orleans, and why his Christmas album had to have bounce artist High Sizzle on the beat. Check it out. All right, how are you? I'm pretty good. You're coming from Baltimore? I'm from Baltimore, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me just make sure. Probably look like a goofball. No. Okay, can you speak into the mic? Mic check one, two. You know I'm used to being in the studio, so I've seen. I believe it. I, I was kind of nervous at first because I was like, oh, he's like a musician musician, and he's going to look at my setup and be like, what is no. this girl doing? But anyway. Um, you locked in. Got your audio, audio technica mics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. doing a little something. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for joining me. My name is Taryn. I'm with the Creative Kickback at WRIR. My pleasure. Um, and I wanted to ask you about your tour and mm-hmm. about your new Christmas album yeah. and about just like your life and what led you to this point because you're like super famous and <laughs> award winning and um well known to a lot of different people so i mean it's worked out you know i, I don't know how famous i am but uh you don't think uh yeah, yeah some some places you know it's all it's all relative i definitely always feel like there's more to do you know mm-hmm. uh, but things have gone really well and i've been blessed you know to have a a really cool crazy career where it spans and goes into a lot of different corners you know so mm-hmm. that, that's been great so for folks I mean, I'm assuming that most folks know um, mm-hmm. that you play with Maroon Five. Yeah, keyboard player in Maroon Five. Yeah. And you're also a like a award-winning uh, solo artist. Yes, mm-hmm. the award started even before I was a solo artist, just as a songwriter and a producer. Okay. Um, and um, then when I started uh, to do my own music as an artist, um, people started to pay attention to that as well. Cool. And you, okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you are a man of Morehouse? I am a man of Morehouse. Okay. So I'm curious, I went to Hampton, so I have to give the HBCU. Uh, They say that's the real HU, is that what they say? It's the realest one. I don't know if the frauds at Howard (laughs) may have been feeding you. But I'm curious about what... um, what your experience at Morehouse helped you has how has that helped your career as like a budding musician? Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, my focus at Morehouse wasn't really music. I, mean, I was a marketing major. Um, you know, I didn't want to learn music, but at the same time, well, Atlanta, the scene was just booming at the time uh, from Outkast and LaFace had done, as well as. Um, the noontime guys who I linked up with was Jazzy Faye and Teddy Bishop, Brian Michael Cox and Donnie Scantz. All the background music to my college yeah, experience. Yeah, so they were making this <laughs> stuff and I just popped upon them. One of my friend's big brothers was a writer over there and um, that kind of changed my life, you know, and went from there for me. And, um, you had been yeah. playing in church, though, beforehand. Oh, yeah, I was playing in church. I had been a songwriter already. I'd, my first placement was when I was 
15 years old on this on the, on this gospel group called Men of Standard. Okay. Um, so I I was in the business at 16, you know, um, and worked on my dad's music as well. Um, and uh, so, but when I went to school is when I kind of got my first experience with the mainstream music. Mm-hmm. My sophomore year is when I moved off campus and met Indiare. Oh wow! And, okay. Um, ended up working on her album, and that was. Uh, you know, I was a part of a Grammy Award-winning album my junior year at Morehouse. So, Jeez. Um, it's just, uh, it's been a lot of right place, right time for me, you know. How do you, so for someone who's been in the game for a long time, mm-hmm. how do you keep it fresher? How do you stay connected to your creative, to the creative part of your work? Yeah, I just really love it, you know. I really, um, I think uh, a lot of times people get burnt out when their motivations are, not purely creative, you know, when the motivations are, uh, when you, you got to sell records or mm-hmm. you got to, you know, do something as far as the business is concerned. But I, you know, to me, creatively, music doesn't get stale to me. You know, it's always something new I can do and something new I'm inspired by. And um, I just keep my ears open. Mm. And, um, you know, that keeps me, uh, keeps it fresh for me. What are you listening to now since your ears are open? Um, and I know most musicians are in, like encyclopedic, so they always have like a bunch of. Yeah, well, I just pay attention to. I, I like to hear every. I still buy records every. <laughs> records. I buy music every Friday, you know. Um, but like, let's see, the last thing I got was. Well, I got the Christmas records because I put out a Christmas record. So I got John Legends and Jesse J's mm-hmm. and uh, the Pentatonics. Um, I got Summer Walker's new record. Okay. Um, Shoot, what else is out? I can't think right now. But I get a lot of music and listen because I like to hear what's going on. And I, I just never know where inspiration is going to come from. So mm-hmm. I just listen to everything. What's the wildest knows. inspiration you've ever gotten? Wildest, you said? Yeah, like just the most off the wall. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I would consider off the wall. But I, I um, like before I did Gumbo, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I was listening to a lot of Frank Sinatra hmm. before that. And that's where a lot of the inspiration for the the big string arrangements and okay. the big orchestration came from was me listening to Frank, you know. And I just watched the um the Quincy Jones documentary on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. And um I didn't realize that the the songs a lot of the era that I was inspired by for Gumbo was the stuff that Quincy was um arranging and I had no idea because for me, the the go to is always off the wall and thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like Quincy's just all through my inspiration, and I didn't even know, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I know that as a part of writing for Gumbo, you moved back home to New Orleans, and I've heard you say that you wanted to help with the infrastructure there around music. Sure. So, and you also mentioned Motown in Detroit. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious about so for folks who know New Orleans as a place full of music, right? Louis Armstrong and Cash Money and Young Money and, you know, No Limit. There's a lot, there seems to be a lot of infrastructure, but what do you, what did you see that was missing and what are you trying to support? Well, the things you just mentioned. So Louis had to move to Chicago and New York. Uh, The Marcelluses had to go to New York, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Harry Connick went to New York. I forgot that he's from uh, New Orleans. Yeah. Um, and when you talk about cash money, so cash money went to Miami very early on. Okay. And when they were in New Orleans, there wasn't really any infrastructure. They were just kind of, you knew they were there. Same with Master P. Master P went to Baton Rouge really, really early. Mm-hmm. So all these things you're talking about did, didn't really have a home in New Orleans. Like you knew they were from New Orleans and they represented New Orleans well, mm-hmm. but it wasn't anything 
in the city that you could feel and see. Okay. Um, so I think that's what's always been missing. And a lot of it is the city. Like, you know, it, it's not they didn't want to stay, but they felt like they couldn't thrive um, in the city doing what they were doing. But I think it's a different environment now. And um, I'm just really dedicated to making that a different thing. You mm. know? What's different now that you've been back? Um, well, I think with the mindset, really, just the mental is different. For all the bad that Katrina did, you know, the good was pushing people out of their comfort zones and seeing that there were other ways and that there, uh, you know, people do things, um, you know, different ways than we're, we're used to. Uh, you know, the gift and curse of New Orleans is that it's like a bubble, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but so the people who came back um, have really been intentional in that, you know, and like understand the city and understand that we can be bigger and better in certain ways. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest thing is the, the mindset is different. I used to get looked at crazy for wow. like saying what big dreams I had and what, what, what things I, you know, mm -hmm. if it was, if it was outside of what happens there, I wasn't a jazz musician. So okay. if I spoke that language, then they were like, Oh, I get that. Mm -hmm. You know, but if I'm talking about being on the radio and writing pop songs, writing R&B songs, they're like, what do you, I don't even, how do you get, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. you know? So, that's so interesting. Uh, yeah. So I had to leave okay. for a long time and now I'm back and excited. That's dope. Yeah. That's really dope. I want to ask about your Christmas album, mm -hmm. about why you decided to drop one and how did you know we needed a hot sizzle on a, on a Christmas <laughs> track? Uh, you know, I didn't know it till, till, till I gave it to you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so I've always wanted to do a, do a Christmas album, like, years and years my band knows this i've always talked about it but i think there's got to be a certain level of like attention on you for people to even care about a christmas record they got to care about another record mm -hmm. before they care about a christmas record mm -hmm. right so i just never felt like it was the right time uh but then gumbo the success of gumbo the success of gumbo unplugged uh i knew i wasn't about to come with a new album right then so i just felt like man we got this perfect gap of time and um and I just knew that I could make a Christmas record that was my language, you know, that was different. I, I, it was important to me to offer something different, a different perspective to these classics that we've heard for years and years. Um, I didn't want to be Nat and Cole. I didn't want to be um, Bing Crosby. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to be PJ, much like those Motown Christmas records, you know. Um, so I thought it was time. And of course, like, if I'm representing me, bounce and being in the Orleans, it's just had to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And um, so I made sure Hot Sizzle hopped on it with wow. me to make it authentic, you know. I was yeah. going to be shaking down under the Christmas tree. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so one of my church, I told my church friends that I was interviewing you and they went crazy. Yeah. Um, because they love you. Right. So one of my friends who is a pianist <laughs> in church wanted to know, how do you play and sing at the same time and keep the quality of both? I don't know. I guess it's just been over time. You know, I studied the greats that do it. Stevie, Elton. Um, um, I just went blank. Uh, from Jersey. I can't think of his name right now. But um, Bruce Springsteen? Not Bruce. From New York. Oh. Who's? Oh, uh, John Batiste? No. Oh. That's my boy. He went to my high school. I, um, really? Yeah. I met him uh, in New York in 2008. On a on a stoop. Who am I talking? It's, it's, it's freaking. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, that's so crazy that I can't think of his name. Anyway, one of the great pianists and singers. Um, but I just learned from those guys, and you know, um, it, it it sort of becomes after a while, it just becomes like second nature. Mm -hmm. I'm not paying attention 
to either one. I'm just it's just doing it, living and breathing. Yeah. Yeah. How do you keep track of everything? Because you are have your own band. You're in another mm-hmm. band. You do like musical direction. You have all these different things. How do yeah. you like? Keep- well, I got good people around me. You know, um, Tanya's been with me like 15 years, 15 plus years. Um, I have good people on the road with me, and um, of course, Maroon Five's management is is um, a plus too. So they keep uh, keep things in order, and it becomes like mm-hmm. a well-oiled machine. But I certainly couldn't do it on my own if I had to think about all that stuff. So they allow me to focus on a lot of creative things. Although I'm heavily involved in the business, um, they allow me to to uh, just be creative and like you know, and they take care of the administrative. Uh, the not sexy stuff. Yeah, the non sexy stuff. That's yeah. Right. What's how do you, I have two more questions, and then I look at me. What did you ask me again? How do you tap into your, like your creative process? Um, well, like I said, I'm I'm very open, and uh, I try to be very present, you know, and uh, so that means I, it could literally come from anywhere, um, you know, the initial inspiration. And uh, then it's it's usually melody for me first. Okay. Before any words, before any production or any thoughts like that. It's just usually the melody. And then I start to put words to it and then start to build the song, you know. But I feel like sometimes when you have the track before the song, there's there's no song, you know. It all really starts with the melody mm. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I forgot my last question. So I feel like a silly you person. Do? Yeah. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, I had to scream at my drummer. No, you no. Nice. Sorry, Ed. I didn't mean to get you in trouble. Um, you just like, oh, now I remember. Okay. What? So, what made you decide to come to Richmond? Like, it was just. So. Had you um, been here before? Well, I feel like we've been to Richmond before, but this run, this last U.S. run, was intentional for me before we added these last Atlanta, New York, and. Uh, Dallas. Uh, before we added those, this tour is um, about hitting the markets that we missed, mm-hmm. you know, and the ones that we don't get to often or haven't. There's there are a lot of cities on this tour that we've never played before. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And that, I don't think that should be the case in the U.S. So I'm like, all right, which ones haven't we played? And let's go there, you know. So Dope. Yeah, that's, that's what this was about for me. Well, we're excited to have you. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for coming. Last, I know I said that was my last question, but I'm not fine. Who, I'm just talking. Who else are you listening to? Um, did I ask? I but you myself. asked me who I was listening to. Yeah, the uh-huh. new stuff. I don't know. Um, yeah, like, from that list I gave you, I don't know that. Okay, what's like a bop that you're like you can't get out of your head right now? Well, my friend Emily King, who is oh, always an inspiration for me, but she just uh, she just put out this song called "Look at Me Now," mm. and I did have it on loop. I probably listened to it like 40 minutes. Oh, know? wow. I mean, 40 times. Oh, yeah. okay. That's I still a lot. Like 40 times. Oh, no, no, I did. I just I just had it on loop the whole day, basically. And um, so, yeah, Emily King, she's about to come out with a new record in February. Wow. And uh, she's on tour as well right now. Dope. That's my homie. Very dope. Yeah. She's from, where's she from? She's from New York. Yeah, okay, Lower yeah. East Side of New York. Yeah. yeah. Gorgeous voice. Born and raised. Yeah. Great songwriter. All right, well, thank you so much. I don't want to hold you up. I appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Yep, and have a and wonderful you're show. You're tonight, right? I have to go get my mom. Oh, so you're not coming tonight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, it's sold out. All right, close yeah, to sold almost. out. Almost, yeah. No, it's going to be crazy. 
I'm, it's gonna be packed in here. I don't know yeah. how y'all are gonna. Give me a good time. This is T, and thank you for listening to the Creative Kickback. Make sure that you like us, subscribe, and share on iTunes and Spotify and all over the internet. Our outro music is Call On Me by Aaron Abernathy. Peace.